You are listening to Reading the Play, the Karen Read podcast, presented by Fan Nation All Youths. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes for season one will be released every other Tuesday. Welcome back, the Karen Read podcast, season one, episode two. Guys, we're super excited for this episode. We're going to dive into Karen's high school career. Um, kind of some recruitment commitment stuff from Utah State, getting over to the U, um, getting into spring camp and expectations for this season. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend. Just help spread the word. We're growing like crazy. Um, more players might be jumping in on this podcast feed in the future, so spread it to all your Ute fans. Cranny, how's it going? I'm doing real good. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Good. We also are joined by Cole Bagley today. What's up, Cole? How much? Just happy to be back talking Utah football. It's crazy. We're only like seven weeks out from fall camp and like 11 weeks out from Gainesville. So it's getting close. All right. Well, last episode, Cranny, we had your brother Gabe on. That episode was a big hit. A lot of people liked it. Spreading around like crazy. And we talked about your guys' upbringing, kind of some little league football. And then we talked more about uh, Gabe's story, but we want to dive in more into your background as far as like high school and college goes. So talk to me about your high school career, what that journey was like, how, how early were you playing under the, under the lights on Friday night? Yeah, my high school career was great, man. I was lucky to play for Timview High School. I don't know how many people know, but at that time it was Coach Kyle Whittingham's little brother, who's the head coach there. So I got to oh, play, really? play with him. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of cool, like, they kind of have similar mannerisms and use similar terms as far as talking football. So kind of felt like home when I got to Utah, Hmm. but as far as high school football, I was fortunate enough to start playing with the varsity when I was a sophomore and then junior and senior year. And, uh, Tiffy was a powerhouse for a while and, uh, we weren't fortunate enough to get a state championship, but we, we definitely had some talent. So it was a good experience. I was going to ask, who are some of the bigger rivals that you guys had? For a long time, it was it was East High School. Um, obviously, there was Provo High School just because we kind of shared the same town. So we had that local rivalry. But every time we made it to the playoffs or state, we always had to, had to play those guys. So that was always a dogfight. Was there any, I mean, not just on East, but did you play against any of your current or, I guess, former teammates in high school? With East of mine, we played uh, Charlie Vincent, um, who else was there? Paul Miley. A lot of the old line, they they all went D one, and a lot of them ended up at Utah. Um, right now, that's all that comes to mind. But, oh, that's a good bunch. I mean, yeah, this goes to show that you know Utah does a pretty good job recruiting the top tier talent. For sure, you know, just around Salt Lake City and surrounding areas. So I just interesting. I just didn't know if there was any any uh, anybody that you you know lined up across the field and you know, had a tough time with them and now they're your teammate, but now that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like for high school football players, like if you're starting or playing a good number of snaps as a sophomore, it normally means that you're like, you know, you might be going places. How was that decision process for the coaching staff and how they approach you as a sophomore? And be like, Hey, did you start as a sophomore or you're just like in a rotation? You know, it's crazy. I did start for about six games and then I had a hand injury. Mm. Um, but my dad was my position coach. 
And oh. so I was like, actually, I was so upset because I had been working like, or I felt like I was working hard as a ninth grader. I was like, I'm yeah. going to start varsity next year. Then my dad was like, they asked me to step up and be the linebackers coach. And I was like, dude, now if I start varsity, like everybody's going to say it's because your dad's the coach. Yeah, daddy but, ball. Yeah, exactly. But no, it was it was a good experience. Um, definitely blessed to, to have him around. Were you nervous like those first few games as a sophomore out there? Or did you have like a bunch of sophomores like from your same class that were playing alongside you? No, I was for sure nervous because I was playing at like 175 as a yeah. linebacker. Yeah. So I looked like a, a receiver out there. Right. Had to learn how to play with speed because the strength wasn't there. Yeah. So. We In the last episode, we talked a lot about your dad and, and him like training, you know, you and Gabe and what that was like. What was it like to have him as a coach? What, what How would you describe his coaching style, not just with you, but kind of the rest of the linebacker group? Honestly, I feel like my perspective was a little bit blurred because he was my dad. I always felt like he was coaching me harder. Um, but the cool thing about him is like all of his coaching came from new experience. So the things that he was teaching, he knew works and um, it was good. I, and I, what I remember clearly is whenever conditioning came, I always was on the far side. Like I would find him first and line up <laughs> as far away as possible because yeah. nothing's working getting yelled at while you're running especially right. from that guy and then so when at what point in high school did you start receiving like letters from schools that were interested do you know what when I was in ninth grade I received a, a letter from Oregon and when it was freshman? like yeah but it was so like just your, the most typical flyer you've ever seen yeah but all the kids like saw it and we were passing it around and then I opened it up and I was super excited but it, it didn't mean much Right. So, until I was in like 11th grade, then I started getting more letters. Yeah. So what what was the early days of like getting those first letters of like real interest? Like, like what schools were they and what kind of process was that like? No, it was super exciting. Um, I remember schools like Oregon, UCLA and Stanford. And I don't know how much weight those letters really mean. Because I feel like sometimes they just send it out and everyone takes pictures of all these letters that they're getting. But yeah, yeah. Because... I wasn't heavily recruited, but as far as those letters and feeling, feeling recruited at first, it was a real thing. And then the actual point, offers did you have? I had five. I had five. It was. Remind BYU, me who those schools were. Yeah, it was BYU, Utah State, Fresno State, Navy, and Air Force. And were they all scholarship or were any of those preferred walk-on or? Yeah, those were all scholarships. Okay. scholarships yeah why what was the interest from the navy and air force do they just offer a ton of people or did they seek you out specifically for a reason did you have any interest in like military stuff no i really didn't they just visited the school one time and pulled me aside and and offered me and i was super grateful but i knew that 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 lifestyle probably wasn't for me wasn't the right fit <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so what what appealed about utah state to you staying close to home things like that yeah that for sure. Um, Coach Frank Miley that was over there was a huge part of my early high school career. He's he's the assistant head coach for Boise now, but that man believed in me so much. I felt like um, I worked at my family restaurant, L&L's in Provo, and he used to come and stop by. And Your family has an L&L? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, I those are all Hawaii. over the place in Hawaii. That's right. So That's awesome. 
Next episode, we'll have to do it live from inside the restaurant. I know. <laughs> Shit, no. dude. Coming at you live from L&L Barbecue. Yep. <laughs> well, Renee, I mean, I want to hear more about why you chose Utah State, but why not pick BYU? Um, especially with, like, you know, the history of your dad. And, I mean, BYU is a great school. You know, obviously, there's a huge rivalry between. I don't think they want you saying that on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, they're obviously a good school and there's a, a very, you know, historic rivalry between them and Utah. And unfortunately this last, you know, this last year they did beat Utah, but um, I guess just given your situation, like why not choose BYU? Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I was making a choice for myself. Like I know that my dad went there and he would have been so happy if I chose that school and we loved that school growing up. But as far as where did I feel wanted and loved, it was Utah state and just went with my gut feeling on that one yeah no I I totally get that and I, I think that's as we've talked to you know a lot of people a lot of current guys at Utah and whatnot um, a lot of the time I think the best decision is you know choosing what's right for you obviously that's the best decision but yeah. what I mean by that is um, you know obviously there was a lot of I'm sure kind of glitz and glamour with BYU and you know I'm like you talked about I mean with your dad going there, but I think it obviously was important for you to choose your own destiny. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time I think guys struggle with that decision, but when it comes down to it, I think people figure out that the, the place is right for them when they really, you know, lay things out and decide where am I going to excel the most? And if you felt that it was Utah state and you felt that mo- you know, more valued there, right. obviously that makes sense. But was there anything else that, went into Utah state outside of just feeling valued or. Um, they, they were coming off a great season too. When I was in high school with uh, Matt Wells over there, right before he took his job at Texas tech, I think it was. Mm. So, I mean, they were on the rise as well. So that not only were the coaches good, but they were playing some good football. For all the reasons that athletes will pick whatever college out of all the options that they have, not specifically you, but how would you rank like the priority of, just like athletes in general picking a school, like obviously there's like location comfort level with the mm. coaches um, position, like availability, like, Hey, you're going to come in and start right away. Uniforms party scene. Like wh- how, how do you think like the majority of college athletes rank those things? Yeah, that's tough for me to say because I want to say the athletes like the big names, right? They'll go to yeah. or they'll cross the country, but or like pro potential, like a lot of pros yeah, come out of this school, that kind of thing. For sure. But then now with the transfer portal, they realize they want to be back home and they go to the nearest college near to their house. So hmm. I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Maybe availability for sure, because I know with our linebacker room, at least it was so shallow. And then we had 10 to 12 guys join. And for Yeah, sure. I mean, I, if I if I were making that decision. I would love to be making that decision. <laughs> if I was, I would probably rank it position availability first. Cause if you're not on the field, yeah. like if you're going to Bama, but you're bench warming, like you don't have a chance. Like if you're trying to get to the no, next level, got to go somewhere where you're going to get on the field and get those, you know, opportunities to make those big plays and highlights and, you know, get, you know, scouted for the next level. Yeah. That would well, be that, top priority, but like yeah, that, well, comfort level with coaches as well, I think would probably be huge. Well, now we live in a world that NIL is, yeah, you know, intriguing a lot of people, right? Like so some true. of these, bi- like USC, USC. has basically <laughs> just built a super team with money, you know, like, yeah. and and 
you know, Rene, you guys got to take care of business when you guys play them to show recruits that, Hey, it ain't all about money, but yeah. Um, totally. For me, it would be the uniforms, whatever I look best in. <laughs> this guy. See, that's the worst reason right there. <laughs> that's why I'd never, that's why I'd never go to Alabama, dude. That, I just, they're so boring. There's hey, the same thing every year. Any uniform looks good when you're holding up a trophy. Yeah, that's why you hold up the Pac-12 trophy and wear those Rose Bowl unis. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not bad. All right, so you're at Utah State. How long How long were you there? About a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. Did you on your mission right after that? No, I went on my mission and then came home and came home during COVID. They didn't have a scholarship ready for me. Sorry, I came home in March. They didn't have a scholarship ready for me until the following year. And so I was just training and working until I got up there. So what, what was that week and a half like? And I guess like, how did things progress to the point that you were like, I, I got to leave. This isn't, this isn't the place for me anymore. Yeah, no. So I was living my best life and I was just barely married and rent was like $600 and we're living right by the stadium. And then I don't know if you guys remember back in, what is it? 2020, the stuff went down with the coaches and the school and i think oh, they didn't play right yeah they didn't yeah. play the last game i think yeah. the players went on strike and uh yeah frank Miley was supposed to be the next man up as far as that head coach position right so once i saw that he felt that he was wronged because of what they say on the news was religion and and uh ethnicity then i was that made me reconsider like is this where i want to be and i still love utah state for sure and rooting mm-hmm. for them but it was kind of those events that that made me question where I wanted to go. Do you think you were the only guy at that time that like had to reconsider, or is no, that kind of I a think, common thing? Yeah, there was a lot of people kind of moving out of the school, but then the new coach came in, and I heard he's amazing and brought his guys too. And they've, I mean, they had a great season last year. So, mm. and then so when you were weighing your options, was it like was it always going to be Utah, or were you looking kind of broad? And a lot of different options and then it settled on Utah. No, really, I was it was between Utah and BYU. And I thought if I'm gonna walk on, I'm gonna walk on at the top level, is how yeah. I felt. So mm. I just I'm gonna take my shot. I might as well shoot for the top. So walk me through that first day of like walk on practice. Like what's that moment like trotting out on the field for the first time, knowing that like you can't have any bad days from here on out? Shoot. I mean, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. We had well, we had winter workouts, and then we had our moving into our first spring practice. But you just feel like you're walking on eggshells, mm. like you're already barely on the team. Is how it feels, and you just don't want to make any mistakes. And so, it's a rough, rough mindset to to play by. Utah football puts out like tweets, like "Hey, walk on tryouts." Like, you just go to the, did you like go to the website and figure out when they were, and you just like show up, and you're like, "Hey, I'm here to walk on." Like, you know what? So I, I was pretty lucky. My dad is his family with the head strength coach, coach LSI. Okay. And then also the academic uh, guy, Cyrus, that helps out with the team. And so he was able to ask them if there's an open spot. And I was able to kind of walk on like I was a, a preferred walk on. Mm. So they knew I was coming, but it was kind of like the week of type of deal. So in your first practice or tryouts or whatever it is, is that just you and other walk-ons or is it with the whole team? No, I was with the team. Yeah. So are do you get like a vibe like everyone's kind of looking at you different like those are the walk-on guys or what's that like i mean 
if they see you, I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but like no one knows your name because your name's not on social media or your name's not on two, four, seven sports. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's on the depth chart. Yeah. It, it was good for me because I didn't have to abide by anyone's expectations. Uh-huh. I felt like I had nothing to lose every day. And then was your goal just to, obviously you're trying to not make any mistakes, but were you going to like impress certain position coaches or the head coach or who, who are you trying to get noticed by to kind of solidify your spot? I guess everyone, man. I was just worried about, not worried. I was just focused on earning a scholarship all last year. That yeah. was my one, my one goal. Yeah. When, when were the tryouts? Cause I'm, I'm just trying to like create a t- timeline here. Right. Cause so like, I think most people, obviously I, mean, I think people say your name and they're going to think back to all oh, the 2021 spring game when we all thought you were Kareem, everybody's probably, that's what they think of. But when, when was this walkout tryout taking place? And then like, just kind of creating a timeline of when, like when you showed up, when that happened, when they told you like, Hey, like we're going to put you on the team or. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, participate in walk on tryouts. I was able to, they had a free spot for me. So I joined January 17th, was it for winter workouts? Yeah, that was my first day. But I think we've talked before, Cole, they do such a good job of taking care of their walk-ons Yeah, that you really have to ask people if you're on scholarship or on walk-on because everybody gets mm-hmm. the same gear, gets the same amount of meals, and you're really taken care of. Is it not yeah. like that in most programs? Like there's a separation? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest, just because that's, that's all I know. But yeah. I heard back in the day, the, the walk-ons wouldn't get, get meals or they had to go home and it was time to time to eat and stuff like that they don't get like the lower back pad that attaches to like your shoulder <laughs> yeah. pads. <laughs> yeah if they run out of those you just don't no, ma- no mouth guards yeah <laughs> so, right, if one right. of the starters is thirsty you got to give up your water bottle yeah well that's interesting and i think i think the reason for that is because i mean look at yourself look at devon vele like Utah has found a lot of diamonds in the rough from that walk-on process, especially lately. I mean, you've got two projected starters, two of the best guys on the team, you know, that came from that process. So it definitely helps to make you guys feel wanted and and treat you right because, hey, you never know who they're, you know, who went unnoticed or who went, you know, under-recruited. And it happens all the time. So um, kind of then forwarding to the timeline. So you, you show up in January, you take part of those winter workouts, Tell us about spring, that spring camp, because nobody, nobody really knew who you were until the spring game. So take us through spring camp 2021 and kind of how all that went about. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, like I said, I'm, I'm forever grateful for Utah and for Coach Swan and the way that they gave me a chance. You know, I, I think that you hear so many stories of colleges playing their favorites, right? But um, just to paint a picture for you, I was staying with my parents, my wife and I, we lived about 45 minutes away. Uh, she was working full time because we weren't on scholarship. Um, I was borrowing my uncle's car to get to Salt Lake. And so it just, it wasn't a comfortable situation. And I felt like people were sacrificing for me. And so I felt it my responsibility to, to uh, be successful. Um, but as far as spring ball, like I wasn't getting many reps, which was tough, you know, and I, I began to understand the importance of mental reps because when it's your turn to go in, you got like two reps and that can't be your only two reps. You have to be watching people and 
so that way when it's your time to go in this is your 25th time seeing it um and as far as the spring game that was the most reps i got in any spring scrimmage or any spring practice uh so i was lucky enough to to take advantage of that because it's not easy trying to prove yourself and not getting a shot to prove yourself so people talk about that idea of mental reps a lot in sports have you applied that to anything else? Like, do you think that's really applicable to other things in life, taking mental reps? And like, that's the first part of my question. The second part would be like, every coach has said that a hundred times, but how valuable actually is an individual mental rep opposed mm-hmm. to being on the field? Yeah. Uh, to answer your, your first question, I feel like it is. I feel like you could apply in other aspects of your life because I mean, even this podcast, like it's out of my comfort zone, but the more that I try and talk to people, the more I feel like I can prepare myself to to talk in front of others. And so, yeah. um, and the second question was how important are mental reps? Yeah, like how would you compare the value of a single mental rep to a single on-field rep? I think it depends on you because yeah. if you can really focus and see all the pieces, like you're actually in there, it's, it's really going to make a difference and make things slower for when you're actually in there, if that makes sense. Yeah, and then maybe the other aspect of mental rep would be like watching tape of your own. For sure. And then you're kind of looking, you know, backwards at your own reps and then processing that. That's probably even more valuable than just being on the field making the same mistake. It's probably more valuable to just take yourself out of that situation watch it. And yeah. talk talk through with your coach or whoever of what you're supposed to do in that same situation. So then when you get back out there, is that kind of the idea of watching film or no, do you have a sure. different approach to it? No, you're hundred percent right. I think that's the importance of uh, a film study because those reps really count, even though you're not on the field, I feel like it gives you as close as you can get to actually mm-hmm. doing those reps yeah is watching film so most of like spring and off-season workouts like you're watching film of like your own practice and stuff like that most of the time most of the time yeah and then during the season when you're just to kind of jump around here a little bit when you're preparing for an opponent and then looking back at your previous game what's the balance there of like how much self-reflection like mid-season how much self-reflection film do you watch trying to correct your own mistakes and then how much film do you balance that with uh, preparing for the next opponent Hmm. That's a good question. I would say for me, I pretty much split the week in half. So once the game's over, mm-hmm. I'll take three days watching myself, critiquing myself. And then from then on out, I got to focus yeah. on the next opponent. Flush it out. Yeah. Kind of going back to that spring game, looking back at, at your stats, you, know, you had one of the best performances. Um, you actually tied Alo for the most overall tackles with six. Um, three of those were solo and you had one sack, a pass breakup, and you actually had a a couple of really good reads. Um, I think you dropped, I don't know who the running back was, but I remember you broke through that offensive line and you, you dropped them for, you know, a tackle for loss. It was one of two that you had. Um, and, and after post game, I I actually was able to ask Devin Lloyd, um, you know, who, who stood out and your name came up. So what, can you tell me what it was like to have such a successful spring game, um, what that meant to you and how that really helped, you know, in establishing who you were? Yeah, it meant, it meant so much to me, especially after that spring. And like I mentioned, not getting a lot of reps, I feel like I was finally able to relax and 
just take that advantage to show people like I can I can really ball and this is something that I'm passionate about. And so to get that recognition, it felt it felt really good. It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Talk to me about last season. Walk me through the journey of like how would you describe like the story of last season for you as it progressed? Oftentimes us players talk like it felt like three seasons. You know, we had a rough start, a different quarterback. Then we had the passing of our teammate. And then we had us finally clicking, right? Starting to win. Um, and then the Pac-12 championship in the Rose Bowl. So it was a roller coaster, man. I feel like we stuck it out. And I would attribute a lot of the success to the leadership of the team. Because as much as things were cha- changing, those guys were so solid the whole time. Do you feel like there was a certain game that, things just like clicked and it was like, yeah, like this is it. Like this, this was the turning point for this season. Was it, was it Washington state? You know, the first, I mean, you guys opened up Pac-12 play. You had a fantastic game. You guys walk away. That's kind of when it started to feel like things changed for you guys. And then I feel like it was USC that it was like, boom, like this is where like we just, you know, took off like a rocket and it just completely changed. Would you agree with that? Do you feel like. No, I was going to say the same exact thing because. Washington State, we did start to pick things up, but it was USC where the where you guys saw the offense really turn it on, and that's that's when it all clicked. Prior to that, I feel like we had a hard time having an overall good game. It was either the offense was showing up or the defense was showing up, but it didn't come together, I feel like, to USC. When a team is struggling like that, maybe you've had experiences like, you know, early football career where a season's not going one way and then it ends up kind of blossoming. In those early parts of the season when you're struggling, do you feel like you're just like one game away from kind of putting it all together? Is that how you guys felt last season? That it was like, if we can just like play one complete game on all three phases of the ball, then we'll, you know, we're hard to beat. Like, is that how it felt or did it just kind of happen? No, that's so real. I mean, even when we were one and two, it felt like, okay, we're just missing a couple pieces. Like if we can just stop them on third downs or hold on to the ball like we're this close even if it doesn't look that way looking from the outside in that's definitely how it felt within the locker room turnover battles especially in football it's like if you're losing the turnover battle you're probably losing the game you know and then third down percentage either on offense and defense like that's obviously a big difference maker so that makes sense so the washington state game you had an interception in the red zone and 15 tackles 15 tackles is a lot for a game. Is that your personal best of your entire football career? Yeah. Well, and Lyric, that was his first start. Bro. At the collegiate level. They couldn't take you off. I remember that. They couldn't take you off the field after that. Yeah, Renee, I want you to go into it, but just I want to preface it in case people don't remember. So Nephi Sewell goes out with injury. And actually, during the week, I I had talked to him, and he said he was planning on playing. Mm. And then he shows up and, you know, all the media up in the press box, they pull out their binoculars and they see that he's in a boot. And so then all the conversations in the press box start going around of, okay, who's, who's, who's stepping up here. And we see you taking the reps and we're like, okay, like Crane's going in and the rest is history, man. Like I remember that interception. That was just like big time. Cause that, that was kind of, I feel like that's when the game, really changed yeah no just to give you my perspective on the background that you just gave I knew Nephi was down and I was trying to figure out the same thing that you were like 
I went up to to Devin. I was like, hey, like, what what percent chance do you think Nephi is going to come back? And he's like, oh, I would say like 80%. He, he's coming back. And then I asked Nephi, and he's like, no, dude, there's no way. <laughs> Zero so I'm like, percent. For my own, yeah, I'm like, for my own mental sake, will someone please tell me if what, I'm playing what this day Saturday? Was what day uh, was this was like Tuesday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday. So, like, I'm running out of days here. And obviously, I'm training for whatever. Like, yeah. I'm watching film. I'm getting my extra work in just in case I have to play. But for my own mental security, like, I needed if I had, I was going to play. So, I don't think I found out for sure till Wednesday or Thursday that I knew for sure that I was playing. And so, we show up on Saturday. And I'm warming up with Devin. And we're doing backpedaling drills. And I look over and I see Nephi walk over to Swan and kind of point to me. And it looks like they're talking about me. <laughs> and Coach Swan comes over and he's like, hey, like, take it easy. Like, I guess I was just going so hard in warmups. I don't know if I was just <laughs> extra nervous or what, but. Take it easy. That's hilarious. Yeah. He's like, tune it down a little bit. But So the 15 tackles, if you're looking at it from your opponent's standpoint, maybe they know that, you know, the backup linebacker is now starting. Maybe we should run the ball his direction, try to attack him more. Do you think that had something to do with it, or were you just right place, right time? No, watching back at the film, I feel like that—that's for sure what they were thinking. They were going for uh, it a little I feel bit. Like a lot of, yeah, I feel like a lot of plays are coming my way, and even prior to that interception, they had caught me a little bit with the ball behind me, and so it was great though. I hope people teams try to run on me as well, so I can try and get those stats again. But. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean... Like, run my no, way. Just I've, leak out every week before a game. Yeah. Like, hey, I got a bum ankle. Yeah. My shoulder's messed up. I'm barely playable. Yeah. Well, it's, I would love that. Krennic, it's absolutely no disrespect to you at all, but it was either attack a freshman walk-on who we know nothing about or attack Devin Lloyd, who's a first-round <laughs> draft pick, right? Like, Yeah, I'm doing like, the same thing. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, no disrespect. Like you, you handled it beautifully, and you helped. I mean, you were arguably one of the best players on the field that day. Like yeah. that was a mistake, right? Like they shouldn't have attacked you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they attacked Devin. You get the same thing, but right. that's like it makes sense. But you did handle it beautifully. Like they, they weren't beating you. You know, like they, those weren't tackles that it was like, oh, I, I got the tackle, but it was 15 yards down the field. You know, like. Yeah. Like you were stopping them, you're getting tackles for loss. And like tell us about the interception too, because that that play was pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, like you said, they were driving on us. It was one of those drives where it was like, this thing is dragging. I don't know how many plays it was, but we were kind of getting sluggish. They were entering the red zone. Um, but I was able to stay focused. And right when I saw the quarterback pull the ball, I was able to find the nearest receiver. And right when I turned, the ball was right there. And so I remember the thoughts going through my head was like, all right, if the rest of the game goes downhill, I can at least say I got an interception. So I was happy about that. <laughs> like I did my job. Um, yeah, what, I did something. So on those long drives when it's just dragging and you just feel like the offense is converting like first down after first down, but it's like slow and methodical, right? Like it's almost easier if the other team is going to score, just like let it happen in a play. Don't eat up like all this clock and wear you guys down. Do you feel that when you get in the red zone, do you feel like more worn down because of the length and the time of the drive and how many like consecutive snaps you're playing? How do you balance that with like trying to like, you know, really lock in now that you're like backed up against your own end zone? Yeah, I, I would say the mental part is maybe worse than actually being tired. Really? Just the fact that they're converting first down after first down. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so important when those moments happen that you're, 
opening your mouth and you're communicating with your teammates because everyone's got their own mental stuff going on in their head. You right. know what I'm saying? So it's so important to get each other united and, and, and going. What did it feel like when you saw the ball and you're like, I can grab that and then bringing it in. And I mean, you took off for about, I think 13 yards and you went off on the side and then you're absolutely mosh pitted by your teammates. I mean, I'm watching the video <laughs> right now and it's like, everybody is just like slapping you on the helmet and stuff like that. Like, what was it like to see that ball coming? And then you're like, Oh man, I've got it. Now what do I do? You take off running. Yeah. First of all, they made fun of me for so long for running out of bounds. But my thought <laughs> process was like, okay, I've never had a ball in a college game and the offense can take care of the ball way better than I can. So let me get some yards, run out of bounds and give it to them. It, it's surreal in the moment, but then looking back, it, it gives me the chills for sure. I feel like defenders, they're either like two types of guys. They're like the guys that have the self-awareness of like, I'm not, I probably don't have the best ball security. Like there's a chance that I might fumble or something like, let me just slide or get out of bounds. And then there's the guys yeah. that are like, I was born to play offense. Like I'm taking this to the crib. And they're, like, <laughs> they're, they're just so extra. Cut, they're trying to cut back both yeah. directions. And then they like try to like pitch it back to a teammate. And then like, it's always the free safety. Who's like, pitch it back, pitch it back. And they're like, no, 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 no. Just they're holding like, it with one hand. Yeah. Palming it like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you look at that play and I can't blame you for running out of bounds because it's like, there's five Washington state players between you and the rest of the field. And I mean, you had some blockers, but yeah, I mean, you took it back. Like, I think it's 12 or 13 yards. Like what, what did your teammates tell you what they would have done differently? No, when mean, they were... Even the coaches were like, okay, they would wait three seconds, pause. It, and they're like, do you see that cutback lane right there? And I'm really? like, actually, I don't see that cutback lane. <laughs> it looks like, a, <laughs> like, I don't know if you think I can like break all these tackles, but I don't see anything. They're like, okay, so... we want you to, to harness the former running back inside of you i know from back when you were a kid like renee come on man you made you made the interception why aren't you taking this you know 75 yards or whatever it is yeah they like pull up clark phillips's pick six and they're like why don't you do it like this i'm like yeah your coach like pulls up the next players. tab and it's like barry sanders highlights of him <laughs> getting <laughs> like my that? bad guys that's hilarious. Oh, that's they like so they actually like, got on you for like not trying to make more of it. At least like the Pretty smart much. thing to do, especially is what probably what you did is if you caught in the red zone, you don't want to like slide down at the two yard line or whatever and put your offense yeah. in a tough spot. Like give them some space to work with and then just take care of it. Yeah. Um. So when exactly were you placed on scholarship and what was that moment like? How did you find out? Yeah, so I, I got put on this past January. I think it was like the 12th. And just got a text message from Coach Swan saying, you're on scholarship, congrats. And it was surreal. I felt like I could finally breathe because, mm. like I said, last year, um, I mean, I don't know if it's selfish, but I, I had that on my mind so much. And But I feel like I was able to help the team because I was so driven to, to perform. Um, I was hoping for some kind of – surprise celebration that you see on youtube when the walk-ons get put on scholarship but right uh, yeah but the, the it was it was a surreal moment so it was just a random text out of the blue like were you expecting like in these amount of days like this is when they're letting people know or was it just like oh look at that no i mean i did ask my coach like where i was at um i think it was after the season as far as earning a scholarship and he said it was coming so i was anticipating it nice but 
it was everything that I dreamed of for sure. That text message. Yeah. <laughs> just all my or dreams. Being put on scholarship. Being put on scholarship. Okay. <laughs> all my dreams just came true. Oh, my, my dreams were way different. I was hoping for the pizza guy to come into the linebacker room and say, it's not pizza, it's a scholarship. Right, right. That's funny. Yeah. And then just going through spring camp, how's it been so far this this season preparing? Is did Was Gabe at spring camp or does he have to wait? No, he actually just graduated uh, today, Yesterday. so he's joining tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. But this spring was so different than last spring because, like I said, I was in a very different place. Now I'm trying to trying to lead the linebackers and trying to uh, provide direction for the defense. Yeah. I think being a walk-on last year, it, it created a mindset that, you know, no one thinks I'm as good as everyone else and I got to prove it every single day. And my worst fear is to lose that. So that freshman walk-on that I had, that mentality, I'm, I'm going to carry it for the rest of my life. And so even though I'm in a different position, I still have that chip on my shoulder because, you know, I try to remember every day where I came from. Like even now I have my depth chart put up on the wall from when I first got there and I see my name at the bottom and mm. it just, I, I try to look at it every day and, and remember where I came from. So, yeah, Dude, I'm looking cool. at, that's pretty sweet. Good motivation. I'm looking at the depth chart right now for what it has just online right now. How would you describe like the style of, of this defense? It looks like, it looks like you guys are playing a, a four, three. Is that right? Yeah. Four, three and nickel. Yeah. And it has you at Rover. And in a lot of defenses, Rover is kind of like a hybrid uh, linebacker safety. Is that accurate to like your position, the style that they have you playing? Yeah, I would say so. They they're more interchangeable than I thought. The Rover mm-hmm. and the Mac. Yeah. But uh, they do seem to put the a little bit shorter, more athletic linebackers at that spot. Yeah, and then Rover, you're playing right side and Max middle. Uh, just depends. Like, yeah, it's not specific. Putting, yeah. Without putting too much info on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Just if you could just, if you could just tell us like the whole defensive playbook and all the signals. <laughs> yeah. Give us, those. give us, yeah, give us yeah. Uh, Scally's entire scheme and Colton Swan. Yeah. <laughs> read us, read us the entire depth chart name by name. Call yeah. out who's, call out who's In- not playing. Injury well. list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so without giving too much away, how would you describe like the style of the defense and like, uh, like any key attributes you think the unit has as a whole? I would say it's similar. I would say we we have new faces filling um, different spots, but we have the saying that the coaches say that we'll become them, they won't become us. Meaning, doesn't matter who you are, we're gonna play this this type of football, this nasty type of football. Mm. And so, I know it'll take time because it, it does every year, but I'm, I'm excited for fall camp because that's when we're really gonna come together. That's an interesting thought. I feel like that's like a uh, a lot of coaches have different uh, like philosophies on that to where it's either like depending on the type of players I have, we're going to play this style or they come in and say, we're playing this style. This is what's going to happen. And you're going to fit that role. It sounds like that's almost more applicable to what you guys are doing. Yeah, I don't know that they're speaking like schematically or if it's more talking about culture, which is like a person, I, I like a personality. Yeah. Like an attitude of the defense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. But schematically, it would make more sense to play the strengths of like the individual players themselves. Yeah. 
Right. Now, Krenny, how do you look to lead this group? I mean, you kind of give off the personality of someone that's been there for a lot longer than you have. I mean, you got to remember last year is your first year, you know, with, yeah, with Utah, but it feels like you are a, a junior or senior. You've been there for a long time. Um, even though you're only a sophomore, but how, how do you look to lead this group? There's so many young guys. First of all, I, I never wanted to be someone that is all talk or somebody that leads vocally. Um, I'm already a laid back uh, type of person. And so first and foremost, I want to lead by example. And because that is my personality, uh, some of the goals I have is to be more vocal. So I think if I can continue to earn the respect of the other linebackers in the defense, um, it should come pretty naturally. So you're not like the Ray Lewis type coming out of the tunnel? That's not you? (laughs) That is not me. Sometimes I wish it was, but... I think we all wish we were Ray Lewis at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel like the expectations are for this season, for the team, and for you individually? Like, do you have any specific goals or accomplishments you want to achieve? Yeah, for the team, I... I for sure think we need to win the pack at least because that bar has been set. Yeah. Um, If we can make a break into the playoffs, then we're going to make history. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do every single year. Um, For myself personally, I, uh, I want to be all conference. So everything that I'm working for is, is towards that goal. How possible do you feel like that is? I think it's very possible. Um, I just got to stick to stick to what I know works for me. And that's extra work, not just hard work. So are you sure you can't tell us just like what the hand signals for the defense are? It's uh next season. podcast. <laughs> next episode. <laughs> you got to yeah. come back for that one. All right. No, we'll just training. get, we'll just get coach Swan on here. Next, next, uh, next episode. It's an open. This is a, we are formally inviting you, Coach Swan. If you're listening to this, we want you on the next episode. We want to hear all the schemes. Yes, sir. Directly. All right. Corinna's top five music artists, not Picasso, Da Vinci, Michelangelo. <laughs> Although that's next time, too. Next, next top next five. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could also be the your favorite Ninja Turtles. You guys ready for this? Let's do it. Yeah, start I'm at five to, and go down I'm ready to one. To tear you apart. Oh, okay. I'm gonna try and because I have three that are more all time and two that are more current, but I can put them in order. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Luke Combs at five. Do you have like a particular song to go along with that? Um, no, I got like a playlist, so I don't know that I have one. <laughs> But um, so why why him why at five? I'm at, because I'm not a huge country guy, but I'm getting into the country world. Okay. So everyone else is okay. people that I've listened to for a while now. Full disclosure here: I just googled Luke Holmes to see what genre of music he was because I've never heard of him before. But I mean, probably a lot of people <laughs> listening to this podcast have. I don't listen to country music at that all. Means, <laughs> so, that means no critiquing from you. Yeah, yeah. When you yes. said that, like, I got <laughs> that's perfect. On, I got nothing on Luke Holmes. Sorry. Not taking any heat for that one. No, I respect uh, it. Good five. All right. What's four? Four is a blast. I don't know what that is. Lyric. 
Nah. He's like opening a new tab. Yeah, I'm like, I get the feeling. Music. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you might be one of the one of the guys on the team that nobody's handing the aux cord to. No, oh, I'm telling you, Blast. You guys got to look him up. He's, this is theatrical production. A bro- is it Broadway production? <laughs> no, okay. it's B L X S T. So why why four? While well, lyric looks that up, because he's probably right my there. top artist right now. Hmm. And everyone else is just like have been around for a while. So wait, before we keep going, tell us when you listen to mm. this guy. Like, is it a work? Is this like your workout, or is this like car, or like definitely car, definitely okay. car on my way up to school. So yeah, you guys got to try him out. Okay. okay, so we got a country. We got a new rapper. Who's who's number three? Three. I'm gonna go with Chris Brown. All right, Chris Brown. Who okay. is that? Don't even, yeah. <laughs> Who is Chris? It's only Rihanna stuff coming up. But I don't I'm, know what this it, is. Can you spell that? Can you spell how? It... <laughs> and I'm going for more of the old school Chris Brown. Just yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. He's how, how much of Chris He's Brown's changed. dancing goes into this decision? Mm, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's like i would you guys think what he's the closest thing to michael jackson or do you take bruno mars first or dude jason derulo's got some pretty good moves i actually haven't seen him the closest thing to michael jackson whoa that's a hard question oh man next time next pod we'll answer that next pod top yeah. five michael jackson uh moves yeah and then we'll have Karene do them and we'll save the video okay what do you listen to when do you listen to chris brown though? nowadays he doesn't come up as often but he's yeah. like since i was little he was one of my favorites so just whenever all right just whenever and then i'm gonna go drake for my number two how do you spell that how do you spell that one don't even <laughs> he's just he's just mr consistent i feel like yeah he's Maybe been going albums. going pretty solid a long time now yeah Putting together quite the resume. No, he really is. I, I do love the memes from that one music video where he's like throwing his hand all crazy. The hotline bling. Yeah, hotline yeah. bling, man. Those memes are the best. That was funny. Drake can make my top five because of those memes. Uh, and my last one is Jack Johnson. Jack oh. Johnson. Yep. That's pretty I good. I love that. I just saw Jack Johnson the other day, actually. North Shore, Hawaii. I was uh, driving and I let him cross the street in front of me. I was walking his kid to soccer practice. No way. Yeah. That's crazy. Does he live there now? He's from here. I I think he lives here full time, but I mean, he tours and stuff a lot too, but yeah, that's so cool. That's a, no, Renee, that's a solid one, man. Yeah. That's solid like, that's one. one. That's like one that I don't feel like a lot of people would have, but it definitely deserves to be number one. What's your favorite song by him? There's a lot. Probably, probably Breakdown. Breakdown's yeah. a good one. Yeah. I'm all about good. that Curious George soundtrack, man. That yeah, one, that one's good too. It's actually way good. It's so good. I just feel like your mood doesn't. It you can listen to it whenever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Jack Johnson's yeah. in my top five as well. Um. Okay. So I looked up uh, closest artist to Michael Jackson, and a lot of people saying Chris Brown. I know it. Usher. I I thought Justin Timberlake, but Usher's on there as well. Justin Bieber's another one because he started young and kind of grew up with the fame, you know. Okay. Bruno Mars is on there. Oh yeah, Bruno. Yeah, I can see that. 
Bruno can dance. So, Krenny, we asked Usher. Devon this. We asked Devon this last week because we did this with him too. What's your like when do you first off do you listen to music pregame? Yeah. Yeah. So what's who are you listening to? So it 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 changes. Like I'm actually listening to Jack Johnson on the bus ride, trying to stay as mellow as possible, and then right before we go out, like I probably have all my pads on already, and then that's when I'll start listening to to rap. Hmm. So do you feel like that helps you? Because Devon was kind of talking about like he plays bad when he listens to like rap and like really <laughs> bad. Yeah, he says that it like it makes him crazy and he like maybe it's because he's an offensive player and we like that's crazy true. You, yeah, you're just you're just running into people. <laughs> yeah, Devon, yeah. If Devon runs, you into guys people, are like in the locker room like begging your head into the wall pregame. <laughs> it's I like swear, the typical linebacker, like just <laughs> blood just comes. Some me head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you're like chill good, like leading up to it and you kind of build up to the kickoff like your music intensity yeah mm. and it's hard to stay calm but i got a jack johnson a couple other artists like a pre is there like a pre-game playlist like you're like like you've got it and it's every game the same songs or is it does it differ um it kind of differs but the jack johnson's just on shuffle yeah mm. Yeah. During the game, how much do you guys notice like music and stuff in the stadium? Uh, warm ups for sure. Yeah. Just because the crowd's not loud at all, and right, we're kind of vibing off that. Yeah. But the middle after, of the game, not really. Yeah, after kickoff. Yeah. You can't focus on anything else. Yeah. So. I kind of have a build off question. How, and I'm sure the fans will love this one. How much better is it to play at Rice Eccles than anywhere else? Jeez, that's crazy. That it's it's so much. It's so nice. I I used to prefer away games back in high school, mm-hmm. just because the thought of getting off the bus and going to someone else's stadium. But, you kind of like that shushing the crowd like mentality. Like you yeah, kind of like but, the dead. I like that too. Yeah, but that was until I came to Rice Eccles because that place is cr- like it's so <laughs> obvious that we had an advantage every time we. I don't think we lost there. No, you guys were undefeated this yeah. last year at home. So like, Dang. it yeah. Where's the second? Where's the second best crazy. place? I don't know if this we, counts, but the Rose Bowl, I would say. That was maybe crazy. maybe just because it was the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah, a pretty big event. Allegiant was pretty was pretty good. Yeah, I mean in Vegas. I, I mean, I was, dude. I mean, I was up in the press box. I cannot speak like Corinna can, but. When so I'm in the press box and I would say it was like 80 20. I mean, there was probably like 60 or 70,000 people there, and it was like 80 20 Utah fans, Oregon yeah. fans. And like when you guys were on defense, you could feel it in your chest. Like in the press box, I could feel the noise like in my chest. And then when Oregon was on defense, you could hear a pin drop because they didn't have anybody there. So yeah. it was. It was crazy, but I don't I don't know what was that like for you? No, that's pretty right on. Like I I was in awe at how well our fans traveled this year, but especially that game. Because I thought Oregon would have had a lot more people, but you're right. It was so loud when we were making plays and it was quiet when they were doing anything, I felt like. How did it feel? And this is a this is just another memory I had from the Rose Bowl. I mean, I agree. I even though you guys lost, I actually enjoyed the Rose Bowl more, I think, than the Pac-12 championship, just because of the setting and how crazy the game went, what it meant to the program. 
obviously winning the Pac-12 meant a lot too, but I mean, you guys absolutely floored Oregon. So that there wasn't that like tense. The anticipation, I mean, guys, yeah. Yeah, like the, you guys easily could have won the Rose Bowl, you know, but um, anyway, so I, I remember, I was, so I was down the field and I remember you guys walking out of the tunnel and I have never heard a place erupt like like the Rose Bowl did when you guys walked out of that tunnel. I mean, it was just out of this world. What it, what did that feel like for you when you walked out of the tunnel there? Yeah, I'm sorry to say this, but I had so much going through my mind. Like I was just building off the adrenaline that I didn't really, I wasn't really looking at the crowd. I was just so ready to play Ohio State. But mm-hmm. man, that game was crazy. And I know yeah. the fans were there the whole time. But I don't know if you remember, Cole. I, I had an interception go right through my hands in the end zone. I don't know if you remember that. And that, that the Rose Bowl? Yeah. He didn't want to bring oh, it up. What? I know, but when I'm I always trying to make you look good, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, what? You know what? Tell, tell, us, tell, us, tell us about it. I don't, I don't remember it. Yeah, oh, so. wait. I think I remember it. Tell me, tell me when it was. Yeah, the quarterback starts scrambling to his right, and I see the, the tight end in the back of the end zone start waving his hand. Yeah. So I just start taking off for him. I see the ball release. And I'm just in, like, my body's fully extended, and the ball just zips right through my hand. And I don't know if I was surprised by how fast the ball was going because he was throwing across his body. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, I, yeah, it haunts me because I feel like it could have been a different game, honestly, mm-hmm. had they not scored on that drive. But Game of right? first. Karene, Karene cost us the Rose Bowl. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I don't. I somewhat remember it now that you describe it, but I don't think anybody else would remember that that happened. You always remember the plays that you mess up, like more more so than like all your good plays. Like those are the ones that like, like I still remember stupid plays from Pop Warner. That I'm like, dang, if I just like close my elbows on that catch, like you know, I'd have been in the league if I would have done this. I would have been yeah. in the league by now. No, <laughs> not for me, but. <laughs> oh, but I really had someone come up to me two days ago, and they were like aren't you Corinne Reed that almost had the interception in the Rose Bowl? I'm like, Dang. No like, way, dude. You're I swear to you. No, I swear to you. Yes. I don't believe I'm like, I promise. But I'm glad you're saying Where that. Where did Maybe. this happen? Who's, who's saying that? I'm, I'm you sending you guys the video. Literally, this. was this like an NFL scout? Like, who was paying that much attention? I don't know. I don't know. That's so funny. Well, that's one. that's the one person that remembers. Yeah, me and him. <laughs> yeah. so. okay all right man this is well, a good now, one. now everybody else now everybody else that listen to this we're gonna, gonna to be back the last two minutes. back next week with devon vele week after we got corinne again so we're in a nice little role here it's been fun you enjoying the podcast you like podcasting you talking to me yeah yeah <laughs> you like this? no I, i'm loving it <laughs> dude and you look oh. great you're wearing your sweatshirt with your your logo That's a on sick it, logo though. Show them the yeah. back. Show them the back. So you guys so are doing good. this at not LNL Barbecue, but R&R Barbecue, right? Yep. Uh, June 25th, R&R Barbecue in Midvale from 1 to 3. You can come. Where can people get, get tickets? Uh, so you can get tickets um, on our Instagram account, uh, our Facebook page, um, and that's just Fan Nation All Utes. Um, they can get them on our website as well. Um, they can get him in Karen's bio or Devon Bailey or Jaden Glover's bio as well. 
And then how much is it for one person? And then you got a discount for a group, right? Yeah. So it's $35 per person. That includes um, a $25 uh, or that then sorry includes a ten dollar gift card to R and R. So, um, and then if you buy a group of four tickets, uh, it's like a hundred and twenty five. So you get like a it's like a fifteen dollar discount if you would buy the four singles. So nice. So if you're listening, grab three friends, July twenty fifth R and R barbecue, line it up. Crane will sign your forehead and kiss your babies. <laughs> Happy Gilmore stuff. That's a little too far. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's gonna be awesome sounds good all right thanks guys thanks for listening to reading the play the karenna read podcast presented by fan nation all youths this episode was produced by lear clark and cole bagley please subscribe and leave a review on apple podcasts and spotify if you enjoyed the show please share with a friend go youths